All right, we are in now. Uh, I'll introduce Ashley Harpstreet, the uh, director of the Wyoming Taxpayers Association. Did I say that right? I always screwed up. No, you did a good job. <laughs> um, so uh, we've had Ashley. Ashley, this is what four or five times yeah. I think you've been on Go Be Wild. Uh, but um, for our listeners, we're going to kind of go all the way back. We're going to start from the beginning, kind of go over uh, what Wyoming Taxpayers or WTA does. Um, you know, Wyoming's tax structure, um, and then let you talk about tax reform 2000. So Ashley, the floor is yours for Wyoming Taxpayers Association. Great. Well, let's get my slides up here. So thanks again for having me, but I think it's always good to refresh about where we've been to where we were going. Um, just a little bit about us, Wyoming Taxpayers Association. We're a private nonprofit, 501c3 with a 501c6. Um, our C3 is our research arm, and then our C6 does our advocacy and membership work. Um, most of our members, it's soup to nuts. We have ag producers to oil and gas producers, um, electrical providers to electrical co-ops, the individual taxpayer uh, to a large corporation. Um, but we've been around since uh, 1937, and our mission is to advocate for sound tax policy. Everything we do is, is based off these cornerstones of taxation. Uh, is it justified? Is it equitable? Is it stable? Is it transparent? So we try to take the emotion out of the tax policy and see what's low and broad-based and what makes sense for our system. Okay, so going back just to understand where we've been to where we're going, um, since the inception of our severance tax in the 1970s, Wyoming tax structure has been beholden to the boom and bust nature of our legacy industries. So by the late uh, 1990s, the writing was on the wall and our former WTA executive director, Michael Walden Newman, uh, was working on our annual meeting and was collaborating with Governor Jim Geringer's office. And they started talking about if we redid the tax structure, what would it look like? And uh, they thought that was such a good idea that uh, they started a legislative committee and task force called Tax Reform 2000, where they, they studied the tax structure to understand uh, what, what we have here. And what they figured out is our tax structure lacks equity, stability, and balance. And notice those are the, the, the words and descriptions I just used of how we uh, look at and analyze tax policy. Um, and at the time, the primary tax source of revenue was 75% of the state's tax revenue was generated by property tax, mineral severance taxes, and sales use and, and use taxes from the minerals industry. And that's, that's the big message here, is 75% dependent on minerals industry. So if you fast forward to today and looking at the ma major components of Wyoming's tax structure, we're still heavily dependent um, 41% of our property tax comes from minerals, or 41% of our, our, I'm sorry, of our tax structure is uh, through property tax, which 47% of that is accounted through mineral production. General sales account for 31%. We're currently working this summer on pulling out those NACE codes to really understand those uh, industries that serve the minerals industry uh, that might not be pulled out for the sales consumption of um, of what we use for our, our revenues from um, supporting industries of minerals to see that true picture of what that number is. But right now of our tax base, 31% is general sales tax. And then another 21% of the pie goes to severance tax, which is 100% minerals. 
and all other taxes equate for 7%, but these are kind of the headline taxes. So that's like uh, your sin taxes, uh, alcohol and cigarette, fuel tax, although it doesn't feel like that right now when we're at the pump. Um, a lot of that is not going to tax. That's just the commodity going up and down. Um, insurance premium tax, franchise taxes, and the wind generation tax, which gets a lot of, of headlines. So to understand of why it really matters of, um, let's try to get this lined up here, of why minerals pay so much as an individual, it's, it's a great ride for us that are individuals. Um, for example, from the Economic Analysis, analysis Division, a three-person family with an income of $65,000 owning a home of $270,000, this is just an, an average baseline, um, it looks like they pay $3,770 in taxes, but reap $28,280 in um, services back. So that's like law enforcement, public works, leisure and rec, transportation, healthcare, and education. But to simplify, yeah. that e equation is every dollar the average Wyoming citizen pays in taxes results in $7.74 in public service back. Did you have a question, Aaron, or a comment? No, just uh, what a great investment on our dollar. Right, right. <laughs> For, As an individual, it's a great deal. Um, I do want to note, however, this does not include federal funds. Um, in 2020, Wyoming citizens and businesses sent over $6.4 billion to the federal government, but we, we do still win there, too. We receive $7 billion back in payment for things like employment services, support of our parks, federal matching dollars, roads, etc., which still leaves us a low overall burden. I know I, I look at my check every time and 30% is taken out, you know, but that's usually your federal dollars. We don't have another 4% going to state income tax, which is really nice and we really enjoy that. So yeah. the point of the story is, is who makes up the difference? Pretty much our, our, our legacy industries do. Mm -hmm. So um, just real quick with the recap, what does this mean um, for economic diversification? You know, that's been the, the big buzzwords over the last decade. Um, so the revenue, the Joint Revenue Committee studied that in 2017 or 2018-ish, and they used uh, regional economic models incorporated to, um, otherwise known as the, the RIMI model, um, to look at fiscal impacts of economic diversification. And under Wyoming's uh, current tax structure, they looked at four different uh, industries, oil and gas, chemical manufacturing, utilities and food manufacturing, namely in ag products, which in pretty much all of our committee or communities, we could name out for industries like that or for businesses. And basically mm -hmm. out of those hundred jobs, um, out of those four industries, the only one that the revenues outpaced the expenditures was oil and gas. So for every hundred jobs that we bring in outside of the minerals industry, it costs our state money. So economic diversification efforts are unable to improve revenue flow in Wyoming without tax reform. Back to tax reform 2000. So what does that mean for now? And then this is, here we'll start kind of our new discussion of, of where we're at and you know where we're going. Um, because now yeah. we have federal funding um, that is just coming at us like it's never come at us before uh, through uh, CARES Act and ARPA dollars and now the infrastructure um, Investment Jobs Act, the IJA is what our state people are calling it. Um, mm -hmm. So if you look at a 20-year snapshot, that top line is our uh, a 
that's our um, appropriations that the legislature has appropriated. And then the bar graph represents the um, revenues that have come in. And so as of June 30th, we will finish out our 21-22 um, biennium. And this last 2022 budget system, uh, session, they just appropriated. So that's where that line ends on top for the 23-24 uh, biennium for the state. So we don't know what those revenues are yet. So that's why we don't have that. And I have yeah, the arrow right. in there because we had a lot of things go on in this biennium because this was um, the money we appropriated during um, our days in COVID. Um, so it was kind of up and down, up and down. Um, so after the pandemic hit, we went to zero rigs for the first time in Wyoming history. I know you just had Pete on from um, Petroleum Association of Wyoming, and he talked about, you know, that just since statehood to go to zero rigs is just kind of crazy. Um, so we, yeah. went to, we went to zero. The governor, governor immediately implemented a hiring freeze and 15% cuts in the fall of 2020. Um, at the 21 general session, due to the pending 1.9, at the time, $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan Act, otherwise known as ARPA, um, the consensus was drawn quickly between our Senate and House um, for the fiscal year 21-22 supplemental budget, which stayed really close to the governor's original recommendations um, of cuts of $430 million. That's a lot, $430 million to our general fund, which brought it down from 2.9, and then that's where that arrow is. It went down to 2.5. The appropriation went down to $2.5 billion. And so that um, total equated for a 39% decrease compared to $4.1 billion that they were appropriating 10 years ago. Um, the for the 23, this is the new information for the 23-24 fiscal year biennium budget, which will begin this July 1st, 2022, Governor Gordon recommended a flat budget of roughly $2.9 billion. The 22 budget session, the Joint Appropriations Committee worked really closely with the governor's recommendation and presented the legislature with approximately a $2.9 billion general fund budget in the form of two mirror bills. Um, so the budget bills run through both houses, Senate File 1, General Government Appropriations, and House Bill 1, General Government Appropriations 2. And so after it went through both chambers, crossed over, and then they had their joint conference committee and the, the dust settled. The final budget for fiscal year 23-24 is appropriated at $3 billion. So they spent, ended up spending a little bit more. Um, and we're going to talk about how the federal dollars work into that in one second. Um, yeah. So for this past session, there was four huge priorities. Um, the Legislative Management Council set the tone early, saying these are four things we, we have to set priorities on. So typically we have um, over five to 600 bills. And this year, I think there was like only 400 and I have that number somewhere else, I think in my slides, but they, they had a lower number of bills because they really hunkered down and focused on these top four priorities. So priority number one was presenting a balanced budget for the, for the biennium. Um, and the final version did include some ARPA revenue replacement for the general fund. But Per previous comments, the legislature passed a $3 billion budget, and per the Consensus Revenue Estimating Group in April 2022, so this is post-session, the revenue forecast this, um, of the group that looks at all the revenues coming in and where we are in our economy, the school foundation program and school capital construction account will be funded at about $2 billion, with a projected short shortfall of $128.1 
but we we back that with our rainy day account, otherwise known as the legislative stabilization reserve account. So the, the numbers I just showed everyone, that's our general fund. That's like UW, community colleges, Department of Health, Department of Corrections, all of our general items are in that budget. And then we have one other separate budget to make it a little more confusing just for K-12. And so when you're hearing in the headlines what that structural deficit is addressing is the K-12 bucket. And I don't have any slides on that, but we will definitely be talking about that. Um, yeah. They are, by the Constitution, they are bound to present a balanced budget in the general fund. So they did that. Um, the way that they have set up the finances for K-12 education, knowing that this structural deficit is coming, um, they have the that stabilization reserve account. That's why it's stabilization. So if there's if there you know it hits a threshold, it kicks over money from our you know from our checking to our, you know from our savings to our checking basically to take care of it. But the the point is is we're in K-12, we're budgeting over what we have. And yeah. um, our revenues, we'll see what happens um, because we are hitting $110 oil. Um, <laughs> so this could all be minute. And again, it's that roller coaster because we're with commodities. Um, but still throughout everything, as of April, it looks still like a, a shortfall. Um, we were left in a surplus of $1.43 billion as an estimated balance on June 20th of, um, for 2025. But this will change with actual revenues and reversions. The other like thing to think about is a year ago we were a billion dollars short, and now we have a 1.43 billion over. So I mean, it is just completely volatile and a roller coaster. It's always yeah. up and down, um, but it always seems to work out. Priority two: appropriate federal stimulus dollars, which included that ARPA direct funding which was heavily debated and appropriated through Senate File 66, American Rescue Plan Recovery Funds Appropriations. It's a big title. So everything but 72 million of the $1.068 billion was allocated from ARPA designated for state fiscal recovery. So they, they basically, they had time to spend all that, but they decided they were just gonna go ahead and appropriate it all, but 72 million, which is, kind of a small amount if you think of the whole billion dollar surplus they came into. The really neat right. thing is, is the state budget office is working alongside the governor for Wyoming Transparency. Like there's this um, Wyoming Transparency website the governor has up and um, they're working on a portal that has the Senate file 66 appropriations in there that helps them track and account for it. Um, so I'm hoping that will be public soon and we can talk further about that. But they showed that to Joint Appropriations last week. Um, your Senator uh, Kinski's on Joint Appropriations, so he'd be someone that would be interesting to, to talk to about um, how they're appropriating for all those or how they're accounting for all those funds, not that they're appropriated. Yeah. And just for anyone listening, I mean, that's roughly $900 million that we're talking about. That's why the that's why the 72 million is that's small change compared to we need to figure out what what's happening to that 900 million. <laughs> right. And a lot of it was revenue replacement. And so that's yeah. why we didn't have a major shortfall. Um, priority number three was finalized capital construction using uh, funds from the ARPA construction dollars in the general fund budget. So um, this was kind of, these are always hot topics when they're, they're funding what they call CapCon. Um, 249.3 million appropriated state intact uh, with a few amendments, which brought the total to 252.48 million, 
with adding, um, so the difference between the governor's recs and what joint appropriations did and, and um, the legislature was 2.8 million for the state parks. They're purchasing some land. And then $250,000 for a state constitution display that will be in the Capitol. Um, additional funding of $190.8 million went to miscellaneous state construction projects. $58.6 million went to University of Wyoming as a block grant to fund the Corbett Natatorium War Memorial West Stands Project and College of Law renovation. That one I'm going to shamelessly plug as a former swimmer at UW. I'm very excited that they got the pool funded because <laughs> it's been old. So um, they took it as a block grant. They'll decide how to appropriate it from there through the university. The, those first couple ones, so the state parks, um, they're purchasing land, and then you mentioned they're doing like a memorial or something at the Capitol? A state constitution display. So they're really trying to make the People's House, which is the Capitol, um, you know, a, a, a visitor stop and a place that we can all share as, as residents of the great state of Wyoming. And so they wanted to put their original constitution on display for anybody to come see it. Sure. And how much was that? Um, $250,000. Oh, okay. All right. I, th- I heard the 250 and I, I thought you said million and I was like, oh, no, ah. no, no. But it makes me kind of think about uh, that movie with Nicolas Cage when he was in South Dakota. Like, um, oh, what was that called? Uh, I'm going down a rabbit hole here. But when he stole basically the, the constitution. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, they have to have some, some protection around it. But it still, it could be a house, $250,000. Still is not little pennies. Uh, yep. Well, I was just, I thought I heard million and I was like, are we sure we couldn't put that somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> little, really, but okay. Yeah. Gold? yeah. Uh, so priority four, uh, which I was lucky enough to stay out of and just monitored as a citizen <laughs> from the outside. But with my job, we stayed out of it was complete redistricting, which is constitutionally required every 10 years. The legisla- legislature debated maps um, until the last minute settling on a final plan that creates 62 House and 31 Senate uh, districts, and that's based off the, the new 2020 census. Yeah, that was a hot topic, but something that, yeah, WTA is not really yeah. directly uh Nope, just watching. we were in the gallery eating popcorn watching that. Yes, um, yeah. So here's my note on that. Usually they have 500 to 600 requests this year with the four priorities. There was only 450 one request. There was 279 bills that were actually um, went through the system, and we tracked 59 of those that had fiscal impacts. So I had okay. about 60 bills that I was toggling. Um, before I go on down into the, you know, wherever we want to go with what bills they had talked about, I wanted to, this is a really big slide with the, with the federal dollars that came down. This is just a monumental Un, unprecedented has been the word of the last two years, but it is unprecedented amount for the state to receive. So this is pre-2022 session, budget session. So these were the numbers we got from the state budget office in January. I'm sure I'll be updating this slide soon because there's other funds that have come in. Um, but going into session in the last nine months, the state has indirectly or directly received over $8 billion. So $1.45 billion of that was individual um, stimulus checks that might have hit your bank account or that you received in the mail. Um, Then there was the $2 billion businesses directly received for the PPP Act. Um, And then 
4.55 billion came directly to government entities and school boards and you know those types of things from the ARPA and CARES Act dollars and of that 4.5 right. the 1 billion we talked about early earlier is accounted for in that number so that brings the grand total of the state receiving 8 billion dollars this year as a Christmas bonus. Woo. Yeah. So part of our trillion dollar debt here. Okay, so we'll yes. here. Just print money. Yep. So that's, that's a whole different topic as well. Yes. Um, so again, there's, you know, 279 bills of, of those 59 that we track, the ones that I think are important to mention as far as it goes to fiscal policy is House Bill 21. This one is kind of a joke, but there's a reason I'm, I'm bringing it up because it's, it's setting a precedence and it goes back to tax reform 2000. But House Bill 21 was repealing exemption for one-way pagers. Um, do you remember those, Aaron? Are you old enough to have had those? <laughs> no, you're probably you're probably dating me there. Yeah. So uh, when I was 16. Everybody. But talk a little bit about that. Yeah. yeah. So when I was 16, everybody <laughs> had their pager or doctors had pagers, right? So even though they're no longer really in use, um, it removes sales tax on service for the one-way pagers. Um, even though we know that this is a fiscal, the fiscal note is, is de minimis. This is a start to looking at the 50 plus exemptions we have on our books. So when we look mm -hmm. again at our tax structure, there's there's a three-legged stool of, of revenue um, when you're taxing a state. You have property, you have sales, and you have income. And we all know we enjoy no income tax. So we have sales and property. Um, in sales, we erode that base by giving over 50 plus exemptions. Um, on that sales tax base. So it was good gotcha. to go ahead and repeal that and like get them start talking about exemptions and cleaning it up. Um, fiscally, they did pass quite a few fiscally responsible bills for special districts. That's something that you and I kind of talked about before. Um, we love seeing legislation like that that's responsible and cleaning up over the 800 special districts that we have. Um, House Bill 56 was the examination of books of certain districts and entities as amended, it clarifies recreation boards as special districts and grants authority to the Department of Audit. And then House Bill 60, which was super important from the special dis district uh, task force that they had a couple years ago. Fiscal training and enforcement of financial reporting um, is timely reporting requirements and training, training being the keyword for entities and allows Department of Audit to exercise authority. So all these little like water, you know, water districts, water districts aren't the best example because they're usually really, um, really well staffed. But, um, right. you know, we we have over 800 special districts on on the books. So some of these special districts where people get volunteered on them, it gives them training and they might not have any background in understanding um, utilization of tax money. This this provides them training. Um, so that's really, really good. Uh, there were several attempts for tax reductions uh, with all this uh, influx of money that came in. So Senate File 84, Mineral Royalties, Proportional Severance Tax Release would have created severance tax refunds on oil and gas or severance taxes based on increased federal royalty rates, but that ultimately failed this year. However, two attempts did successfully pass. House Bill 131, Nuclear Power Generation and Storage Amendments. And so that was a huge hot topic with the new Kemmer Nuke facility coming on. And so yep. the House amended in uh, an exemption after July 1st, 2035. So they did add another exemption. Um, <laughs> if 
if the entity is using 80% of uranium sourced from the U.S. or subject to a $5 megawatt hour tax. Um, so relating it to current events with the whole Russia and Ukraine thing going on, we get a lot of our uranium from Russia. And so that became a, a political topic that we didn't, you know, we stayed out of that discussion. But what they ultimately decided is that if you use 80% of Wyoming uranium, which we do have, um, that blessing in our in our ground um yep. they're able to get an exemption otherwise they'll be subject to a five dollar megawatt hour tax um after 2035 so that allows them to ramp up i think that's it was just very fascinating and then the the big win that our entity along with industry had was house bill 105 severance tax coal reduction um, this again relates to tax reform 2000 anything we can do to lower ourselves off of minerals gets us, you know, back to an even playing field and moving in the right direction. Unfortunately, you know, on the other side, yeah, we're going to lose some revenue there if they didn't do anything to make it up. But they did take down the severance tax from 7% to 6.5%, and it brings equity and parity to severance tax rates amongst minerals and also is that tax reform 2000. Um, gotcha. And that was just I'm from the slide, that's just on coal, coal production, right? Yep, just on coal production. Because I believe oil and gas is at six percent. Yep. Okay. And yep, just a half percent. And like you said, you're getting back you're just getting to that transparency of at least be the same. I mean, you know, we'll go from there. <laughs> right. So looking forward, now we're um, fast forward into summer and to present day. We're looking forward to the twenty twenty three general session. Uh, the 2022 interim session is going to stay busy uh, for this part-time legislature with full-time issues. Uh, many of the issues will stay the same as revenue addresses 15-plus priorities uh, with five from last year's topics. Other topics like gaming and K-12 funding um, and state lands has been coming up in every committee of how can we tax or get more revenues off of state lands. Um, we'll be right be discussed and then there's new topics like investments as a source of revenue uh 30 per 30 percent of all of our revenues this is outside the tax structure but just revenues that come into the state 30 percent of those are investment income and investment income has saved our bacon several years in a row so they're trying to figure out how can they maximize that there's been a lot of headlines about um the treasurer's office what they you know how can they have a little bit more um leeway to you know invest those those public funds um also something that's super interesting in blockchain is that the use of virtual currency for tax collections will be a new discussion for the interim uh and then most importantly it's an election year <laughs> so <laughs> and there's a lot of seats that are looking to turn over so they're doing a lot of um education right now but it'll be interesting to see who um, who stays on and who doesn't. Yeah. Then we'll just stop the screen share. Yep. No, that was great. Um, yeah, and, uh, of course, the elections are going to be heavily, heavily contested, especially on a lot of those fiscal bills. Um, and then, of course, other hot topic things that we don't need to get into. <laughs> um, I do want to... Um, Ashley, clarify, because I think you and I have talked about it, but something that we didn't hit on, I wanted you to keep rolling on it. So the tax structure, I mean, we are still, you know, very heavenly. And I, th I think 
burden isn't the right word, but um, it, you know we're still dependent on you know the legacy industries to have that boom, right? Then we've got surplus and everything's going good. But since since WTA and Tax Reform 2000, we have the the state government has made strides to lessen that a little bit. Now we're still, as you mentioned, we're still pretty. I'd say I think we're at 60, 40, 70, 30. But we used to be like almost 100% all minerals. Now it's we're bringing that down. Right. So, um, you know, there's diversification that has happened. And I would say mm-hmm. mainly that's with investment income that has made up that, yeah. that change. But if you look at the principle of that investment, 90%, and this is what I'm working on for the research to have those exact numbers, but almost 95, 90% of that is attributed to the minerals industry setting up those legacy um, investments that we yeah. have. We have a $21 billion corpus. And so that has just benefited all of us really well. So, so the, the debate continues. Do, you know, do we raise taxes, um, do what we did on coal, start trying to, to balance it out um, and do it slowly? And you know what past executive directors for WTA has said, what I keep saying, do we fix the roof while the sun is shining? Or, I mean, I, and I don't know the right answer. This is just the philosophical conversation. Or yeah. do we just keep taking it a time at a time because it is so volatile, keep packing away that money, working off that investment income, and then, you know, if we hit another catastrophe like COVID did, um, address it then, you know, and, and add, mm-hmm. you know, a sharp revenue incline there. The, the problem with that is that it's um, unpredictable for business and individuals. So, yeah, um, it's a it's a chicken and the egg debate uh, that will has been going on for 50 years. <laughs> yeah. And it'll still continue to go. Yeah. Um, it, you know, when you and I were talking about what we were going to talk about this this time, you know, just to finish with this, that idea, the debate is there's no I think anyone that's so anti-legacy like everyone has to admit there's no silver bullet no like silver unless bullet. unless this election you're going to have these grassroots um conservatives and we are going to slash it like you know and and then and what's going to have to happen which we've talked about numerous times is K12 like you you know and uh, that's not going to be great for every you know that's going to hurt a lot and so that's not a silver bullet so um I think Anyways, we use um, a Pete's example there. You know, Pete from Petroleum Association of Wyoming just testified um, in front of the Joint Ag Committee when they were looking at state lands and looking at um, their uh, their fees that they pay to you to use state lands and, and raising those royalty rates. And we are low in the region, but that doesn't take into account all the revenues that they they gain from the mineral industry because they pay a hundred percent. Um, production property tax then they have a severance tax and then they with all their facilities they have you know uh, facility tax of their property and then tangible personal property tax so they have it and then sales tax so they have a lot of taxes they pay on on top of those royalty rates um, mm-hmm. and Pete used a great example of okay so even if um, we double the residential property tax rate um, right now, minerals pretty much pays for everybody K through 12. Um, if we doubled unionized property tax, we would only be able to pay for kids K through seven. Uh, so we've got big problems of how we sustain what we have. The problem with yep. that is 
is there's a constitutional um, piece of it that says the state should provide uh, an adequate and fair and equal education to all kids in the state. So the definition of what adequate is is where that spending piece and debate comes in. The general yeah. fund, that's one of the big reasons I bring up the general fund always in my presentation. They've cut 40%, but K-12 still has yet really to see those big cuts mm -hmm. because of the constitutionality around it. Yep. The other yep. hot button issue um, I think that you know you and I could visit with about real quick is just the assessment of individual property tax. Yes. Um, that continues to be a, a debate. Um, there were bills, I didn't go into them from the 2022, but that failed. And I was looking back through my notes because there was quite a few of them. Um, Natrona County has had issues with their before COVID and before this crazy, everybody's moving all over the place and real estate, no matter where you're from, is just through the roof. Um, assessments were on the rise. And so I thought it would be good to show your viewers how they get to... Um, how they assess the property tax and why why that's yeah. become a problem and the constitutional issue that they face. So um, the market value of a property is $200,000. And then you take your assessment value of the property, which is our rate is 9.5%. That's the tax rate. So you do 9.5% times 200,000 gets you, your assessment value of the property is 19,000. And then you, you run your mills through. And we can talk about that yes. lower half in a second. The big item of discretion is the market value of, of your property. So in Sheridan, I'm sure, you know, a lot of people ha bought a house for $500,000 and now it's being appraised at a million dollars. So how did that market value go from 500,000 to a million? Well, what we're faced with is the county assessors use three approaches um, to figure out what that market value is. And they use a cost approach, a comparative value and an income approach. They don't really use income approach in residential but they'll use comparative values, which is what it says. You look at what everything's selling for, and if it's a new build, what it costs to um, to build it, and you know the yep. quality. And so, by by statute, they have to inspect your physical um, your physical residence every six years to see what upgrades or you know if it's depreciated or you know wh what where your physical inspection comes in at every six years, and so. The comparative value of homes when they're actually selling, you know, if you're you were in a neighborhood at five hundred thousand and someone's slipping a million dollar or slapping a million dollar price tag and they're getting it, that's what's driving those that property tax up. So in this example, it says two hundred thousand. Well, if it goes from two hundred thousand to four hundred thousand, and you do the four hundred thousand times the rate of nine point five percent, your assessment of the value goes to nineteen thousand dollars. Um, I do want to walk through the rest of this so everybody understands that's not what you would pay in taxes because then you would take the, all your, and these are all your special districts. So that's why special districts are important. So you can, and this was just a mock-up of, of the special districts or the levy mm -hmm. that um, con some are constitutional and some are city and, and county imposed. You take all those mills so that it, um, that value above of $19,000 times 76 mills, which would be mills is for the millionth, 0.0760 equals 1444. So that for a $200,000 property, they'd be paying $1,400 and change for taxes, 
where if it starts at the beginning at a market value of 400,000 versus 200,000, then it just doubles everything. So their tax bill is going to double to like 2,800. Right. This is not the assessors being bad guys. This is them trying to do their jobs. Some assessors maybe not have kept up with things or about, you know, or saying that the previous didn't. And I think that's kind of the case in Natrona where the assessments just kind of got out of control. But um, how do they fit? How do they legislative fix this? Um, and that right. that's um, there was a Senate file 69 property tax limits where they're trying to limit the pro- property tax, um, which is understandable in theory. The problem is it's not constitution or constitutional. Um, yeah. You have to value per the Constitution. You have to value it at fair and full value using those three methods. So it's hard to cap when you're not assessing it at the full value. Um they did implement reinstitute a a new um or it's it's been on the books it's been off the books they put it back on was a property tax refund program yep. built for Wyoming residents um if you know there's certain requirements the governor did a ton there's a lot of information that went out I think the deadline just hit for this year um but yep. if you hit certain requirements you can get a refund in some of these counties that are having crazy assessment just go through the roof. Um, so that right now has been a really good solution and I think could be something that they could continue to explore. But unfortunately, capping, in our opinion, capping the, the property tax isn't the answer to that issue. But the assessment issue is, is where that, that debate lies. I didn't understand yeah. that until I got into this job. I, I really didn't even know what a mill levy was. So yeah. I mean, we can dive into those those the special districts and the mills because that also adds to that value. Um, one thing that you mentioned that this is why I think too, there's nothing really legislatively that can be done just because it's cost of the house, and you know everyone's aware we're going through inflation and just you know materials and labor has gone up. So it's like, well, duh, everything's going to go up, um, and it goes both ways as well. I mean, there you know there I would imagine during the housing crash of '08 there were houses here that were not assessed as people would like them to be assessed. So it goes both ways. And, um, you know, I, uh, I agree capping. It's not the solution. That's not going to solve anything there too. And, um, you know, that's, uh, it's definitely a topic that's, um, it's been, it's been the, the biggest debate and I have a ton of people email, email me, which we don't, we're not going to push one way or the other. We'll just say here's yep. facts on it as they come up with legislation to try to address it. We'll tell them if, you know, it meets our cornerstones and if it's constitutional and um, if that would make sense. But um, it, it is interesting because we've had such a low burden. But on the other hand, we have, again, we have such a low burden and our, our deficit is in K-12, which is funded by property tax. So, yep. um, you know, it, like, it's very like, interesting. Like you said, yeah, like Pete had mentioned, like you said, in front of the Ag Committee, if, even if we doubled it for the residential property tax, that's still not going to cover all K-12. So, um, you know, uh, can't have it both ways. And then one thing you did mention, which I think a lot of people I know in Johnson County are upset, is the, you know, how these assessors are educated on assessing property. You know, that's the big thing. And I don't know how, I don't know if that's really a state issue, more more so of account at maybe the county level, but... Well, I think they did that with the special district legislation that they just passed is, you know, on training. So, um, yep. I, you know, I don't know what they go through. I'm actually going to the county assessor's annual meeting this year to learn more of how they do things. Um, 
but they have to go through training um, and 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 they that's that's you know that could be thoughtful legislation on on the training piece of it to make sure it's uniform and consistent across the state yeah because it is individual citizens that are putting in for these jobs um, these elected positions um, yep. that you might not have a background in so having a consistent way and I, I'm, I'm not educated on how they do that they might already have a program in place that maybe just needs sure speaking. yeah yeah um well last thing um yeah ashley that i think what i wanted to cover is um well two things i guess um how how um rare is it that the legislature uh, does a budget that's a little higher than the recommend recommendations from the governor. Well, I think you can go back to, well, no, because that's the revenues versus the appropriations. I don't know. I'd have to study that. Um, you know, I'm sure every, every minute I've just been following this administration. Yeah. Well, so I'm not <laughs> sure I can tell you Gordon's track record, but that's a great question. I would say, you know, for the most part, they're, they're pretty in step. Um, and to be off by um, 2.9 billion to 3 billion, I know that that's a lot of money for you and I. But in the scheme of things, you know, the legislature really flushes out the needs um, and and choose and, and, thing the governor's chewed through. So I, you know, I don't know. But it is interesting they they have they have spent more than he would have. Yep, and it's it uh, especially in an election year, and I mean. They have this federal money sitting there, so it's kind of like, what do you do with all this federal money? Uh, but um, I do, th- I just bring that up because it is interesting that um, there, you know, the topics are how how the governor has done, but then you look at the legislature and it's like, well, you approve, you know, you appropriated more money than he recommended. So, anyways, it just gets interesting when you start talking yeah. through that kind of stuff. So the um, yeah, the Constitution states that part of him fulfilling some of his or her you know or governor's constitutional duties is to present a balanced budget to the legislature basically as a baseline and and how he did takes some months to do that he brings in all his agency directors he flushes through a lot of things so um that's another thing i think i didn't understand until i really dove into this job is that every penny does get touched a couple of different times by two different branches Um, yeah so if, if they appropriated more, someone was being really squeaky about, you know, what they needed funded, you know. Yep. So um, there's a lot of nuances to it. Um, but, yeah, I don't know on average, like, how that compares. But I would say, you know, our state as a whole is practices, um, you know, conservative principles. Um, hmm. And so I would say they're, they would be within – they haven't been I, – I can't think of any example right now where they're, like – majorly off but yeah way off yeah for sure priorities you know some have different initiatives that they want to see funded yeah does now the governor though doesn't touch k-12 this is this is just no. general budget correct correct yeah so um that there's another there's another little thing about k-12 there um so uh, like like you and i have talked off air multiple times uh, we're pro- we probably need to do a k-12 deep dive yeah. just because of just it's the funding is weird. You've got the special districts, levies, all that stuff. But um, the last thing I wanted to talk about is for uh, our listeners, um, the, you know, the WTA always has like the slides you went through that's on the website. You know, those are always updated. Um, 
you know, there's always there's always free educational stuff on WTA. And one thing that I found that we don't need to do a deep dive because some of these are subject to COVID. You know, I think a lot was happening with COVID, but uh, the WTA has um, some demographics and expenditures for the last spending um, cycle, and they compare it to 20 years, a 20 year comparison. Um, and, um, you know, my, my interesting things I found actually was just the one, the population of the state is up, which is no surprise. A lot of people are moving here. But it's um, but don't you think it's not up? Like it was, was it 470 to 500,000? It's not double. What is our state? Yeah. 480 yeah. to 460. So, or 560. So 17% it's grown. Yeah, Which you know, nothing crazy, but it's, nothing you know, like Arizona it, or North Carolina. Or... Yeah, um, but I think what's interesting is it's gone up and then our, I mean, it's not that big. I mean, you look at the percentage, but you look at the numbers and it's actually not like the, our, our students, you know, 20 years ago was 95,000 and now we're at 93. So, I mean, it's not that big of a difference, but, yeah, um, you know when we're talking about education K-12, it's like, okay, well, hold on. So, you know, our population's going up, but not necessarily our students. Um, and so like, and then if you started comparing our education spending, so it's like, so uh, it just, there's another, there's a component there that I think is interesting in regards to anyone that's talking about K-12 spending. Cause it's like, well, um, you know, something that maybe we need to look at. Um, our cost of delivery is, is hard because of our numbers. Um, yes. You know, the more you have in the system. So, and I don't, it's on my links on my website. It, there's helpful links and I don't know, let me see if I can find it real quick as I'm talking, but um, there is this really awesome st- state uh, program that shows, oh, Wyoming measures up. And I think it's just wyomingmeasuresup.com or something like that. But it is super awesome. Um, wyomingmeasuresup.com. You can go by town, county, school district and see what it costs to educate pupils per community. And it, it so our average is like 16,000 and some change, but like Elk Mountain, it's 80,000 per kid because there's two kids. So again, it's cost per delivery. Um, so we have, we have a unique situation with rural markets, um, and, and that's, that's the story there with the numbers that they've gone, they've they remain flat. Like our population has grown, like you said, our, but our, our children have, um, been very flat, if not decreased, but the, the cost is astronomical yep. um, for delivery. And I mean, not to keep being a dead horse, but there's another number here on, on K-12 full-time employees. Now that number is substantial. So now I don't, you know, but now there's always, like you said, it's the cost of you know, delivery. So, I mean, there's always that, but, um, it, these demographics are just great. Cause it's very interesting to look at and you're like, you know, cause the, the, the enrollment of students I thought was interesting. You know, I was thinking, Oh, our population's up. So our, you know, our enrolled students should be up and it's flat. And it's, so that's kind of fascinating. Um, and then there's some others, you know, you've got like UW information, but you know, like in state employees, but like we said, those are kind of subject, you know, cause there was the hiring freeze and, and the budget. So, I mean, there's, there's some things that you need to consider when you're looking at yeah. these, but they've gone down significantly. So we were seeing 17% increase in population, but,
but at the time of 2020, before that big cut, it went down 20, almost 25% that they've done a good job of cutting state employees, but um, K-12 went the opposite. It, yeah, they they all moved over. Like I said, you know, I, I I do think it's something, you know, that they're going to have to come to the table with, but it is just, it's not an easy, like peanut butter spread across evenly cut because there's a lot of challenges we have now, you know, we're, we're looking at all these mental health issues. Um, they've been talking about that in education. Like, do we need more counselors? Do we need counselor, counselors that just do the mental health and then ones that are do career services? Like, um, kids are just a lot different these days. We have technology to integrate. Um, not to say that there's, there's efficiencies that could be had. Um, but, uh, it's just, it's very complicated and very tricky and politically a tough conversation to have if you want reelected. Yes. Yeah, no. And that's, and that's, you know, that's the other side that we don't need to cover because we're the money side, but, uh, um, Ashley, I think the last thing I just want to ask you is there's a lot going on this summer, of course. Um, what do you expect um, maybe some ground to be made, you know, fiscally speaking? You know, uh, do you think we're going to see some more of these exemptions um, either get completely cut or uh, get rolled back? So, again, I'll put the disclaimer out. It's an election year and this current legislature doesn't have much of an appetite for anything in, in that world. Um, the, I know the revenue committee would like to bring exemptions back up. That's the easiest way to raise revenue of things that are already on the books that are low and broad base. And most of those we would support um, of putting back on the books. And I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but it's on my website too. You can see the total amount of exemptions and what that, mm-hmm. I mean, it's in hundreds of millions of dollars. So that'd be an easy um, add on to our state budget. Um, but the committee bills, so the process is, is they'll flush out what they want to present to the legislature as a committee. Um, and those usually have a stronger chance of making it to the floor and then making it through if it's committee supported. But this year is going to be especially interesting because of elections. So we could have half the legislature turnover and not they might throw it all out and start all over. Yeah. So it's hard to say. Um, I can tell you what I think they'll do by the end of the year, but beginning of January, depending on who gets in, it could, it could all change. So, could be a total, total 180. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll just, we'll kind of have to uh, see what, what makes it. And um, the themes that I brought up are the ones that this group's really interested in and we'll keep pursuing. And, um, and I would say for the most part uh, are pretty consistent, you know, just state themes in general that I think whoever gets in um We'll talk about, but if you have someone that, you know, a group that comes in, that's like no new taxes, whatever it is, um, you know, they have enough votes, then it just stops it dead in the water. So they're going to have to look at efficiencies, you know, to make up where, where they're not going to bring in revenues. So back to the board. Yep. Yeah. And that's, you know, since you've been coming on for the last two years, that's been our message is, Hey, that's great. No taxes. Like I think, you know, who doesn't love that? Yeah. But, you know, there's there's some big elephants in the room of, well, so that's great. But, you know, either either, you know, we've already cut 40 percent of state, you know, maybe is that what you're saying we need to do to K-12? You know, not not that I'm saying that we need that, but it's kind of like, you know, at, at some point there has to be this. Yeah. 
what's our there value has to be this system? movement you know what, yep, what do yeah. we value what do we want to fund what do we not want to fund what's a waste of money mm-hmm. you know and in, in your your thoughts and and we do have a spending policy of what um we watch fiscal spending very closely um we don't rate them some other entities do we we don't do things like that but we do watch that pretty close and i'd say everyone that's elected it it they don't get paid much um and so like and it's a lot of hours and even if i don't always agree with them they all um are doing what they can to make the state the better place and it's just it's a lot easier said than done and when you get into the data and the numbers and okay if you t- if you cut this off what's the repercussions from that it's just all very complicated yep. so yeah the more you can educate yourself to see where your values align and what's important to you and what services you want to maintain i think will help you in this election season um, definitely ask them what their thoughts are on uh, tax policy because I think, I hope I don't get people to be too upset at me, but I know tax policy is not um, responsible either. So that's not how you would run a business. You've, you've got to understand your revenue flow. I'm also not yep. promoting tax increases. It's just what's responsible. Yes. Yeah. And um, no, that's well said. And I think, uh, especially this year, when you're talking to your candidates and stuff like that, your representatives, that that needs to be the question. Um, Ashley, a uh, little shameless plug for WTA. Where are you guys at? Um, you know, you guys do events. You guys do, you know, webinars and all that stuff. Um, and then um, anything, anything new that's coming up that's going to be on your guys' website that you think would yeah. be important? Well, right now, um, since it's slower legislatively, we're working on all of our publications and reports, and so those should be updated um, early fall. Uh, is usually our goal to have those things up timely, ready for the ne- you know for the next crop of, of legislators getting ready for the session. Um, yep. And uh, we'll be doing a whole slew of webinars. We've already had quite a few. They're all posted on our website. If you're a member, you get a ton of information and, and more one-on-one access to those. Um, events where you can um, interact with them live and ask questions. Um, so of course we'd love for you to see, you know, we're member based, so that's how I keep doing what I'm doing. Um, but if you wanna learn more or just um, learn more about our organization and, and fiscal policy in the state, we're gonna be hosting our 85th annual meeting on November 29th and 30th, I believe. It's on our website, November 30th, yeah, 29th and 30th. Um, and we'll be at Little America, and our topics will be released soon because we have so many, we're trying to narrow it down. But one thing we are gonna do is um, Tax Basics 101 and understanding that and having some real gurus and and um, uh, subject matter experts available to really talk through the nuances of our, of our tax structure. So um, we're going back to the basics uh, in line with maybe new legislators at that time, we'll kind of know who our group is that we'll be having um, in the 2023 session that have been elected. And um, we always have a slew of events um, or slew of, of uh, subject matter experts and yes. um, panels that are relating to the issues that are relevant to what's going on right now. So hopefully Very you cool. join us. The, we do everything yeah, the, for that. The, so the 85th, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So 1937. We were formed by the Wyoming Stock Growers Association, which they're celebrating their 150th this week. We'll be going to yep. their event tonight. So, one of oh, the awesome. older, yeah, one of the older associations. We're really proud of that. 
Put a put a good name in for us with Dave Kane there. Uh, I I interviewed him when he was VP, but I haven't got to interview him yet as the president of the stock growth. I'm oh, just kidding. Awesome. Dave's a good Dave's a good guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. The stock grower is 150th. Wyoming TA the Wyoming taxpayers is 85. So very cool. Um, no, that was great. So, and I highly recommend. Like I said, I pulled some of that stuff off their website too. It's free. Um, also, Ashley is very. You guys are very responsive. So you know, shoot her an email or call their office and they will try and get you the information that you need or you're curious about. Um, but, um, Ashley, this was great. I think, um, it was a good refresher. You know, I think, uh, we've interviewed so many times that, uh, for some of our new listeners, kind of a, a refresh of where we're at. And like, I love the, the kind of where we were, you know, the tax reform 2000, where that came from. And then, you know, here we are now and what we need to be thinking about. So, um, anything else you want to add before no, we just, step no, out? Hopefully this fall, I'm using an intern from UW that will have some more data and we'll have some fun things to talk about um, going into the session. We'll have a better feel of what our legislature is going to look like, you know, later this winter and um, have some more data of, of looking what that mineral percentage of our income is to really understand, you know, because data gives you power in making decisions and that's our yep. ultimate goal. Hundred percent. No, I agree. So, well, thank you, Ashley. Thanks. Uh, we were having some technical difficulties before in scheduling, but um, hopefully uh, it's summertime now for your kiddos. So yes. hopefully you you guys get out and enjoy the nice uh, Wyoming summer. And uh, we will definitely be in touch for fall. Or uh, go be wild might be down at that the eighty fifth. Yeah. Uh, totally yeah. So, uh, well, thank you, Ashley. Always a blast. Always good information. Um, and. Uh, um, always there's always more now that i'm like okay we need to ask her this next time yeah. but um that's uh, ashley harp street with the wyoming taxpayers association